Heavenly Father, we bless you and we thank you today on this special occasion in honor of our Independence Day, our 245th remembrance of our independence from a tyrannical power. And Lord, we just ask you to bless this program today. Help us, Father God, to renew our devotion, not only to you, but to our nation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Well, welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio broadcast. Uh, we are honoring our 245th remembrance of our independence from Great Britain. And so we're going to begin our program today by reading to you. I want to read to you the, the Declaration of Independence that uh, was brought forth by 56 men who were willing to put their lives and their fortunes and their sacred honor online, amen, to ensure that we are a free nation. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitled them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experiences have shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present king of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance, unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be attained. And when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. 
He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people unless those people would relinquish their right to representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with these measures. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. He has refused for a long time after such dissolutions to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers incapable of annihilation have returned to the people at large for their exercise, the state remaining in the meantime exposed to all dangers of invasion from without and convulsions from within. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states for that purpose of obstructing the laws of naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriations of lands. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount and payment of their salaries. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and to eat out of their substance. He has kept among us in times of peace standing armies without the consent of our legislatures. He has affected to render the military independent of and superior to civil power. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our Constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation, for quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us in many cases of the benefits of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses, for abolishing the free system of English laws in our neighboring province, establishing therein an arbitrary government, and enlarging its boundaries so as to render it at once an example and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies, for taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our government, for suspending our own legislatures and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. He has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, desolation, and tyranny already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages, and totally unworthy of head of a civilized nation.
He has constrained our fellow citizens, taken captive on the high seas to bear arms against their country, to become the executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. He has excited domestic insurrections amongst us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers the merciless Indian savages, whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in attentions to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our immigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity, and we have conjured them by the ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations, which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They, too, have been deaf to the voice of justice and sanguinity. We must, therefore, acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation and hold them as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies in war and in peace friends. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America and General Congress assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do in the name and by authority of the good people of these colony, colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, <clears throat> with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. That's the reading of the Declaration of Independence. And remind you that if we had not won our War of Independence, all 56 of these signers would have been hunted down and they would have been hanged. And not just them, but their wives and their children would have been enslaved. So there are three things, three major areas in the Declaration of Independence that I think is very important for us uh, to talk about. <clears throat> the first one is that the people have certain unalienable rights given to them by God, the creator. And these rights include life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The second area is that all men are created equal. All American citizens are created equal. All men created by God, the creator, are created equal. And the third area is that the individuals, we as citizens of the United States of America, we have a civic duty to defend these rights for ourselves 
and for others. And I might remind us today that America would never have been and its people would never have been free if it had not first been freed from sin by Christ, because he's the one that put the desire for liberty and freedom on the inside of us. And remember what the declaration said, men ought to be free. The second thing is that our liberty in Christ translates up to to the liberty that we enjoy in this nation, that because of Christ, amen, we had a desire to be free. And the third thing is that once we see these parallels, and when I'm saying parallel, I mean the parallel between the freedom of this nation and the freedom that we have now in Christ Jesus. And once we see these parallels, once we see these parallels, then we'll see how that America came to be free by God's sovereign will. So the first thing we need to see is that a nation can only be as free as its citizens are free. We were liberated from the tyranny of governments because men desired and were willing to fight for freedom. We, as believers in Christ Jesus, we have been liberated from Satan and sin because of the desire of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be willing to pay with his own blood that which would secure our freedom. And that's very important for us to understand today. We are free today because of the freedom that our founding fathers found in Christ Jesus and that freedom that they sought for and that freedom that they fought for. The second thing I want us to see, this is a quote from Frederick August von Hayek. Notice what he says. Emergencies have always been the pretext in which the safeguards of individual liberty have been eroded. Let me read it again. Emergencies, national emergencies, have always been the pretext in which the safeguards of individual liberty have been eroded. Now think about that in light of what we have experienced with this so-called COVID pandemic. James Madison said this. He said, conscience is the most sacred of all property. Nobody has the right to tell you what to think. You are a free moral agent. You have the right to think and your thoughts and your mind, your will, that's your own property that doesn't belong to the state, doesn't belong to the government. Amen. So just as the Declaration of Independence made clear that America consisted of free and independent states, we as believers in Christ Jesus through the new birth have also been declared free and independent, independent from the ruler of the darkness of this world, but dependent upon the one in whom we have been made free. And that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, America, we owe our dependence upon Almighty God. Amen. We are not free and independent of His rule, although we are free and independent from dictatorial earthly powers. We are not free and independent of His sovereign plan and His sovereign will. Because Jesus said this in John eight thirty six: For whom the Son has made free is free indeed. Amen. Are you free in Christ today? Praise God. Then enjoy your freedom if you are. Governments that enslave churches and churchmen are no longer free nations. They are not. Think about the COVID health mandates 
by health, by a, a or a health officials that arrested pastors for having public meetings while ignoring the thousands on the streets protesting and rioting. Is that just? No, that's not just. Government that warrants freedoms to its citizens, which can legally take them away in an emergency, are not really free. (coughs) And if Christ declares Christians free through faith in him, but if the devil can come along and steal that power and take it away from Christians, then we're not really free in Christ. If Satan can force us into a nature of sin again, then really what Christ did on the cross is not effective. And really, we're not free. But Christ has freed us through Calvary. And the powers invested in him by God guarantees our freedom from the bondage of the devil. Just like the U.S. Constitution guarantees our freedom from tyrannical governments. And I hope we'll remember that. Our Constitution guarantees our liberty from tyranny. America is a constitutional republic. And our Constitution guarantees that no government has the right to take away our freedom. And in the same way, Christians have a Constitution. It's called the Bible. It's called the Word of God. And no devil in hell can take our Constitution away from us. We have this. It's the living Word of God that lives and abides forever. It's the Constitution, amen, that speaks to us of that which we have won through Christ, that we have been sealed into this thing called the new birth through the precious blood of Jesus. And we have entered into an everlasting covenant authored by God himself. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Satan has no power over this Constitution and he has no power over this covenant. Whom the Son has made free is freed indeed. Amen. Now, the First Amendment to our Constitution says this. Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So along with freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of assembly, the right of redress of grievances, our Constitution guarantees to every American citizen the right and the freedom to assemble and worship God as he chooses. It is an unalienable right given to the people, not by government, but by God himself. And our framers of the Constitution realized and recognized that, that these unalienable rights, talking about the Ten Bill of Rights, the Ten Amendments to the Constitution, are given to us by God, not by government. And in the same way, Christians are declared, amen, that we are to do this. We are to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. In the same way, we as citizens of the United States of America, we are to defend our right and these rights given to us by God and not allow, amen, a tyrannical government to take them away from us. Billy Graham said this, the framers of our Constitution meant that we were to have freedom of religion and not freedom from religion. We as Americans were made to be a people of certain unalienable rights, a people who are free to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit 
of happiness, a people who are all created equal. And we as believers in Christ Jesus, we also have unalienable rights prescribed for us in the Bible. We too have a right to pursue under God life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And as Christ Jesus granting us this, these rights through the new birth that God has provided by sacrificing his son, his son, his life, his fortune, and in sacred honor, amen, on Calvary, which paid in blood the cost of our liberty and our redemption. And so as it is with all Americans, we as Christians have a duty to defend these rights for ourselves and for others. How do we do that? We don't do it through gun and bullets, not right now anyway. But we do it through diligent prayer and we must pray for our leaders. Amen. For God to work a miracle and turn our leaders around. We do it through attention to Bible teaching and preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can never shut up when it comes to preaching the word of God. And also by loving our neighbors as we do ourselves. Amen. So in closing, I want to read to you Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, because in it there's some things that we need to understand today. Lincoln said, this is in November the 19th, 1863. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or to detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us the living rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus so far nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that the, this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. This was spoken November the 19th, 1863, a few months after the Union victory at Gettysburg, 1863. So I want to go ahead and close. Father, when it comes to the unfinished work of our nation and the unfinished work of the church that's in this world today, that which has been so nobly advanced by those who have gone on before us, Father, 
I pray that we strive to complete the great task remaining before us by doing what we in our hearts know what is right to do, by doing in the words of the Apostle Paul to do the service and freedom and liberty to our own generation, to secure it by the will of God and to continue to guard our liberties and freedoms, pre preserving these for our generations which are to come. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. In closing today, I'd like for you to listen to a song uh, was written by Brian and Katie Torwalt, and the title of it is He is Faithful, and it is performed by the Lucas Christian Academy. Listen to this song. He has paid the highest price. He has proven His great love for us. Do you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.